0: Good morning. You notice they started. We got a timer now. I'm nervous that they put the timer when I start to preach. So (laughs) we'll see what they do. Uh, Welcome uh, to everyone here in the sanctuary. Welcome uh, to everyone who is at uh, at home, wherever you may be. Might be on vacation. I'm glad that you're able to join with us in worship. Now, just a few announcements. I assume you saw those of you here in the sanctuary about the baby bottles. If you're at home and you have yet to get a baby bottle to put change in to help support um, First Call Pregnancy Center, you can call into the church or drop by this week to get that. Uh, Lynn folks, still has those uh, You've Been Seen cards uh, to help you on your own personal witness. If you're at a restaurant or some, someone, you want to let them know uh, how thankful you are for the good service that they render to you or to the community. You give them this card. If it's a waiter now, you leave a very good tip, And uh, hopefully then they'll take that card and go to the website that's on it, and they will get a good gospel uh, message. Uh, so it helps you in your witness. And she has those provided for you out there in the narthex. You'll also, again, still see more materials I still have out there. Still trying to clean out my... An office space. So if you'll take any of those booklets, I'm surprised you have not taken all those infant baptism booklets yet. But uh, there's plenty of them for your for your Baptist friends. And uh, and then uh, we're restarting Grace Share. Uh, you know, Norma Graham here is the director of Grace Share. We'll be starting Tuesday night. And um, it, please get the word out, whether you need it or, or you know of someone that you might think get that word out to them, they can call into the the church and we'll make sure they get the details for that. And let's prepare our hearts for worship. God, I worship. I'm going to read from Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let's pray. We do come and gladly worship you, our God, that you are our Maker, that you are our Redeemer. We pray for the anointing of your Spirit upon us, so that as we have come to offer up these sacrifices of praise, that you truly would receive them, that they would give you delight, as we offer them up before you, in the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together as the deer. Amen. Be seated. Let's recite together our faith as it is given to us through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the the life life everlasting. everlasting. Amen. Let's now turn to the Lord in prayer and we'll pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Our Father, Father, who art art in in heaven, heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, come, thy thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give Give us this day our daily bread bread, and forgive us our our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And our Father, we do. We do give you thanks and praise that you are our Father, that you would show us such love that we might be called your children. We thank you that we come to our Father who is in heaven who is the one who is above your creation, that you are the great king, the one who is sovereign over all, that you yourself, though we live in a world that is oftentimes filled with chaos and unsettled, that you dwell in a high and a holy place, that you are not uh, disturbed, uh, that you are not yourself in some way troubled by what takes place in this world but that all things are working out according to your sovereign will. We pray, our Father, that we will hallow, that we would honor your name in our very worship this morning. And with that in mind, that that we will not simply go through the motions simply just say the words with our minds, but that our very hearts uh, will be engaged, that as we sing praises, as we pray to you, as we receive Your Word, and uh, as we t- that we would truly take it to heart and honor You, we pray, our Father, for Your Kingdom to come. We pray for Jesus to return again. But until He does return, we pray that we would be faithful servants for Your Kingdom, to remember our citizenship that is in heaven, to remember our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be found faithful uh, should he return here now. We pray, our Father, that we will do your will. Do your will uh, as the angels do your perfect will even now in heaven. We pray ever mindful to keep us, keep focused, to understand what that will is. Give us your spirit to have the courage to do that will. And then we pray for you to provide for us the daily bread that we need so that we might be good servants, serving your kingdom, doing your will, honoring you, that we might be children who honor the name of their Father. We thank you for the for the ways that you provide for us every day, and we especially on this weekend. We thank you uh, that for you giving to us this nation, uh, that you would cause us to be born here, to, to live here in a country a country of freedom and a country of many bounties, a country with a wonderful heritage. And we pray and we thank you that you would place us here. We pray, our Father, for your provisions for our country, that you would provide for our nation's uh, leaders, from our president on down. We pray as well for our state leaders and for our community leaders. Father, what great responsibility lies upon their shoulders at any time. But particularly now with the, uh, the virus, having the wisdom, understanding, knowing exactly what to do in the country and in each state and in each community. We pray uh, as well for the unrest that is in our nation. And we pray again, Father, for you to give us wisdom, ourselves, to, to be discerning, to understand, to listen through all the noise. So that our nation might come forth out of this virus, out of the unrest, stronger. Because our people understand and care more for each other than they have before. We pray, our Father, for you to forgive our sins. We thank you for that forgiveness that has been made for us once and for all on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ. But we must confess we have continued to sin And though we have not been cast away from you, we know we ourselves can at times feel like we have been estranged from you. And we need to hear, we need once again to know from you of your forgiveness for us. And may we then have that same spirit to be those who forgive our neighbors, not to hold grudges, not to hold resentments, but to care, to love. We pray that you would protect us from uh, the evil one. Lead us not into temptation. It is so easy for us to just to walk into temptation, to be trapped up by it. Protect us this morning. Protect us today and each day. And We make this prayer to you because we acknowledge that to you belongs the kingdom. To you belongs the, the sovereign power. To you is the responsibility is to be all of the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lived in Philadelphia, I would meet regularly with a diabetic educator. I think most of you know that I'm a, a diabetic, and I I dreaded those visits for one reason. I have a glucometer, which measures the glucose count in my blood. I, just before the service, I pricked my finger to make sure I had enough blood in my sugar. And I do that at least four times a day. Well, after, um, I would go there, and and the educator would ask me how my blood levels were, how, how the glucose count were. And I would say, well, I think they're going pretty well, you know, for the most part. And what he would then do is he would take my glucometer, and he would plug it into his computer. And then it would display on a graph Every single count, all the high ones, all the low ones. It would reveal all the ugly secrets that I had tried to suppress and for which I then had to give an account. Well, in our text this morning, we are going to read of how we are all, all of you are in the same boat with me. Now, let's review the context. Okay, our author has spent most of chapters 3 and 4 warning his readers, you remember this, not to fall into the same fate as their forefathers, the Israelites who fell along in the wilderness. They did not make it to the promised land. And the reason was that they did not trust God. Does it make you nervous? I mean, I'm sure he wanted his readers then to be, you know, squirming a little bit. I think he'd want us to to, to kind of, you know, squirm a little bit. The person he's really trying to reach is the person who makes these glib assumptions about their status before God. And so back then, someone, his readers, might have said, "Well, look, I'm okay with God." Someone today might say, well, hey, my parents raised me in a Christian home. I'm okay with God. Or well, back then, I was circumcised. i Today, I Down the aisle. I'm okay with God. What's to make clear is this God is not watching you from a distance. He's not way up there. We speak of him up in heaven, but he's not just way up there and just watching kind of from the outside what's taking place. As God told Samuel, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, and then he tries to figure out what's going on inside. But the Lord looks on the heart. Now, how does that comment strike you? Does it encourage you? Have you noticed how it does seem to encourage a lot of people when they're confronted with their sins? What are they saying? Well, I've made my mistakes, but God knows. God knows my heart. You know, He knows I'm trying. He knows I'm sincere. Well, that's just it. This is what Arthur is saying. God does know our hearts. He knows every thought. He knows every intention. He knows how the, the good. That we do outwardly, more often than not, springs from sinful intentions. We're just trying to make ourselves look good. Or we're trying to make ourselves feel good. But he sees through it all. He sees through the denials. He sees through our rationalizations. He sees through our masks. He sees through every excuse that we make. Even the excuses we make to keep ourselves from seeing our hearts. And it is the Word of God that's going to provide the evidence against us. We're not going to be able to say, well, you know, I I just didn't know that that was wrong. Or we're not going to be able to say that God did not provide enough evidence about Himself. Or that, you know, God just did not give clear enough instruction. Or He didn't give strong enough warning. If we have read God's Word, if we have heard it read, we can have no excuse. Now, it's at this moment, the readers are learning now about their sinful selves being completely exposed. Hopefully, there's, you know, maybe they're starting to fear a little bit. Maybe I am on the outside of that Sabbath rest of God. But it's at that moment that our author then turns them to the solid hope that they do have. Let's read verses 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In this passage, when he starts, since then, he's actually picking back up a thought that he left back in chapter 3, verse 6. There he had said, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. So he, he's about to speak then more about Christ, and then he gets distracted a little bit because he wants to make clear that his readers understand where they are not to put their confidence and their hope. It's not to put it in, in themselves, in their pedigree, or in their works. So he talks a little bit about that. Now he's bringing them back. Christ, So let's go back again to verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Now our author, he's going to explain more about this, about this Jesus passing into the heavens in chapter 10. But the point he's just making here is that, look, our high priest has entered into the real temple of heaven, into that real holy of holies, God's real house. And that reality, what that means is that his sacrifice for sin was accepted. And he is able now to stand before God. He is able to represent us in our needs. He is the high priest who will be heard. And furthermore, important for us, is that we can know that he will indeed represent us because he is sympathetic with our weaknesses. Again, let's read verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands. He understands the temptations that we face. and. And because he he has faced, well, he understands because he has faced them himself. He knows what it's like. But more importantly for us, he faced those same temptations and he did not give in. And because he did not give in, we can know that he is heard when he speaks on our behalf. He was first the lamb that was without blemish, and now he is the high priest without sin. Now, what does all this about Jesus mean for us? Well, it means that we find our confidence in Him. That's the point of, again, in verse 16. Let us then with confidence. He has just undermined their confidence, you know, about, uh, all, about that word, how it's probing, it's probing, and it's probing. And then he can say, well, still let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can enter into the holy place before God's holy throne and we will find there the throne of grace. We will find not the judgment that our sins deserve, but rather mercy and grace in our time of need. The surgeon who has been Probing the depths of our hearts with that scalpel of His Word is the same surgeon who will heal our hearts with the blood, with the intercession of His Son. Now I want you to go back also again with me to verse 14. He speaks again, and again, then, of that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Since then, we have that. What are we to do? Let us hold fast our confession. Now, what is that confession? It is the confession of the gospel. It is not the confession that if we if we do a good enough job, you know, we, we work hard and try to keep the law of our, of our fathers, and maybe, you know, we should be able to keep God's favor. The confession is, is that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is ascended as our High Priest. That's where our confidence is to be. Our good, the good confession is not about... It is never about us. It is all about Jesus. And it is, again, that confession that then gives the confidence... To enter the throne room of God and find that mercy and grace. Now let's look at a couple of lessons that we can gain from this. First of all, we are to look to the Word of God. Look to the Word of God and let the scalpel do its work in us. Let it, let it probe you. Let it discern what is taking place in your thinking, in your heart. You know, it's very, easy to read the Word and to stay protected from what is uncomfortable and what is painful. And we do this in both what, is, what might be regarded as comfortable and uncomfortable Scripture. Let me explain how. Let's take, the, uh, let's take the comfortable Bible passages. Because a passage can be so familiar and so comforting, it's easy to overlook what it's really saying. let me give you an example of this I was trying to think and um, think about Philippians 4:13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me and that's a great motivation statement and I've, I've seen it on on walls I've, I've even seen where football teams uh, have it between the goalposts and they'll run through it and, and Bust it because I can do anything as they begin their football game. Well, the context of that verse gives it actually a different slant. Paul, who wrote it, was writing how he has learned to be content in all, but especially in difficult circumstances. The line is not about accomplishing great things but in accepting anything, including being brought low, facing hunger, being in need. I can do all things is a statement for Paul that he can live under any circumstances. And he can do that because of his contentment that he has in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at a verse like this, are you willing... You're willing to let that scripture do its probing. It's penetrating into your heart and examine if that attitude really, I mean, it actually really does rest in your heart. And then there are the the blatantly difficult passages, kind of passages that can be found on the Sermon on the Mount. I don't like preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And I read passages like, I'll turn the other cheek when slapped. That when you're being forced to walk one mile, go ahead and walk another mile. That you are to love your enemies. That you never, never to look at a woman with lust. That you can, you must forgive those who have done you wrong. And by the way, you need to be seeking forgiveness from those whom you've offended, that you're to give to whoever asks of you. So there are these hard passages. There are the passages that challenge how you view yourself. So Jesus says, now before you do what what we always want to do when we read a challenging passage or, or hear a challenging sermon, and we immediately think of that other person who really needs to read this or hear this. Look at the beam in our own eyes. Are you an adulterer? Are you a murderer? Well, it's hard to actually escape that verdict when you read something like the Sermon on the Mount. But we're to read these things and we're to let the Word sink in. We're to let the Word probe us, however painful however uncomfortable that probing may be. Because it's only when we let it do its work, that's when the real healing can take place. That's when there can be real transformation in our lives. So we're to look to the Word of God and let that Word probe into our hearts. The other thing we're to do is to look to Jesus for our confidence and hope. The Scriptures are dangerous. It can be very dangerous when they are handled without Jesus. All of those commands, all of those warnings, all of those, those rules, I and mean, it can wear you down. I mean, the Apostle Peter admitted as much. When the church had its first council meeting and they're trying to figure out what to do with these Gentile converts, Peter gets up and he says, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke? And he's talking about the, the laws of Scripture. By, put, by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. We can't do it. All these rules and commandments, they can crush us. And they, they can crush our spirits, even we who have been born again in Jesus. I mean, we we, we come to know Christ, and and we're happy, and we we, we love the grace that we have, but what do we do? We then want to please him, so we read the word, and we uh, read about all these things that we ought to be doing that would be pleasing to him. And then we start to move to thinking that this is what we need to do to win our acceptance with God. We might do this out of just kind of our own self-righteousness. We sometimes do it just out of fear. You know, we see the the sin, excuse me, that the word has exposed. Okay, we're convicted. What do we do? We try to operate on ourselves. We we're gonna we're gonna make ourselves better now. And I'm gonna use my self-will, and I'm gonna force my heart to desire. Only what is good. Well, the result is, we often end up in despair when we fail again and again. I mean, I can't tell how many times people have come to me over the years, Pastor, I just, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I keep committing this sin or committed a sin I didn't think I could could commit. Or the, the worst case is the person who then does some cosmetic surgery. And they think that they are being righteous and that God God should be pretty pleased with how advanced I am spiritually. Those are actually the harder people to reach. But we're to look to Jesus. And we're to look to Jesus alone. It is his work of atonement on the cross that has won our acceptance with God. It is his resurrection in which we place our own hope for our resurrection to come. It is His work now as, as High Priest who is interceding for us now that guarantees the mercy and grace that you will find before God's throne. Look to Jesus always. And then know this. He will always be looking out for you. You know, I started the message you mentioned about my visit to the diabetic educator. I always walked out of his office encouraged. You see, he too was a diabetic. And he understood. He understood how difficult it is to keep those glucose levels under control. He understood the temptations that I faced, and he never judged me. And when he would display all my sins there on the graph, he would then gently Help me think through how to make the needed adjustments. Well, likewise, I have the Word of God. It exposes my sins, but that same Word also gives me insight to make needful adjustments. That same Word shows me stories of people who have gone through the same struggles. But most importantly, that same Word points me to Jesus in Him, I can find my confidence. In Him, I can make the good confession. Now, I want to ask anyone who may yet have looked to Jesus, I want to encourage you this, to at least look at the Word of God, the Bible. You know, I find that most people who, who think that they have rejected the Christian faith, they really have n- never read much of the Bible. They don't know the stories. They don't know the teachings. They definitely don't know the gospel message. You know, rather they've, well, they've heard some stuff about the Bible. They've heard about there being myths and some contradictions. I want to encourage you. Read the Word of God itself. Read the Gospels. Read the New Testament. I think of the actor David Shucheng. He's famous for his portrayal of Hercule Poirot. Perhaps you've seen those shows on BBC. And he gives his testimony this way, becoming a Christian. He had been feeling uneasy. He just didn't quite know what his life was about. He goes to a bookstore. He buys a Bible. He brings it back to his hotel room, and he opens up to the book of Romans. And here's what he says. By the end of the letter, certainly by the end of the book, I was reading about a way of being and a way of life that I had been looking for all those years. Just pick it up and read it. If the Bible is too long, and it is it is a long book, read the New Testament. If the New Testament is too long, read just the Gospels. Just about 100 pages. Read and be willing to let what you read Let us do its work of probing. You will feel at times uncomfortable, but if you stay with it, you are likely to find mercy and grace. We thank you, our God, for the mercy and grace that we do find in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for this one who came, who faced the same temptations as we, is sympathetic, yet did not sin. And so may the perfect sacrifice is now our perfect High Priest, who even now at this moment is praying for us. We thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.